0: Those that prayed this afternoon for me, I appreciate it greatly. We're going to go ahead and get started in 1 Timothy chapter 2 tonight. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and we're going to reference a whole lot of places in Scripture Um, tonight. I may not be able to turn to all of these. But I want you to to get this if I can put it out in the right manner. And that's what I'm hoping for tonight. Um, And here we are, 1 Timothy chapter 2. And you'll understand what I mean by all that here in just a moment, because it'll be highly apparent. Uh, Verse number 13, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. He says, For Adam was first formed, then Eve... And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Uh, now, there are a lot of cautionary pieces throughout the scriptures about being deceived. Uh, I mean, you get everything from Jeremiah chapter 17, right? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? your heart is deceitful? Uh, there's men that are deceivers throughout the scriptures. There's, uh, you know, don't. The warning of not deceiving ourselves, uh, those kind of things. There's false teachers and false prophets that are sent out to deceive. Uh, They are uh, deceivers and deceitful workers. Uh, You see that all throughout the scriptures. But uh, the truth is there's something behind all of this idea. There's something that is the cause of the deceitfulness that we have to deal with. Oftentimes we look at the world and today we're, we're constantly, uh, I'm not, I am not a conspiracy theorist. I don't sit there and comb through all the files and see if I can figure out what's really happening. I can tell you what is really happening. All right, you ready? The God of this world is blinding the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine in their hearts. Uh, it is not a shocker that the devil is trying to control and move, and the kingdoms of the world are under his control. That is not shocking, nor should that be something that pulls you off into the weeds and go ahead and get jumping into the deep end. All right, you say, well, there's there's conspiracies and there's deceitfulness all around us. Why is this shocking? say, well, I mean, what are we going to do to stop it? Nothing. You're not going to do anything to stop it. Uh, do you really think that you can go out into the world and go ahead and, uh, go ahead and, and you know, make, make the present administration or even a previous administration or anybody else behave themselves? Are you going to bring the FBI in and go ahead and fix them? Are you going to go ahead and deal with the corruption that we have to... Really, this is is the great question, you know? We live in a day, and I'm not trying to be political. I'm not. But this is the idea. The idea is that we're all stuck in this weird thing. We're all being deceived. You've been deceived for longer than the last couple of years. They've been pulling the wool over everybody's... ...decades. This is not like, oh, hey, this just suddenly happened. No, they've been orchestrating this for much longer. You realize that the devil has been orchestrating this for 6,000 years. He's orchestrating and moving and the pieces have been in place and moving to places. You see, we look over the the expanse of everything that we, we get to know in our little tiny view and the reality is God and the devil have a match that's going on that is beyond your recognition and mine. We don't see all the pieces. We don't understand all the players. We're not going to be able to figure all the things out. So you know what the reality is? The reality is going to boil down to, and I'll give you the end of the message just in case you fall asleep in the middle, all right? Uh, The reality is you're going to have to listen to what God says and just trust He's got it. Because if you keep getting sucked into all the deceitfulness, you know what that is? That's the deceiver pulling you in and distracting you from the goal of what he, want, what he doesn't want you to do and what the Lord would rather have you do. Too many people have been deceived into thinking that they are going to grab and change the world that they're in. That's not your job. Well, yeah, but the apostles, they turned the world upside down. Yeah, they didn't do it by changing government. They preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've been deceived into thinking that our enemies are the ones around us and flesh and blood enemies are just sitting there all around us. And the truth is, the deceiver of this world, the one who wants to deceive and wants to control and wants to manipulate and wants to destroy, he's the one who is going ahead and orchestrating all these things, but he's distracting us from the goal of what the Lord put us here for. Look over at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I quoted part of this a moment ago. Uh, you realize in Revelation chapter 12, the Lord says that the devil is the de- deceiving the world. <laughs> Revelation chapter uh, number 20, before he goes ahead and gets tossed into a bottomless pit for a thousand years, the statement about the devil is that he has deceived the whole world. And now he's going to be able to the world no longer till the thousand years are over. But then he says when he gets loose, you know what he'll do? He'll deceive the whole world again. You know what he is? He's the deceiver. You want to know why Adam didn't get deceived? Right? He's logical, you know, and he knows he wasn't dealing with the devil. Eve was. Say, who gave Adam the fruit? Eve did. He knew what it was. He knew what he was taking. She didn't but the devil did a great job of hiding it. We'll get to that in a little bit here. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, verse number 1, As we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. And that not that part of being deceitful? Dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, not handling the Word of God deceitfully but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, one of Satan's titles, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe in the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The devil's goal is to deceive a world. It's to deceive everybody he possibly can, including you and I, if he could do it. That's his goal. One of the odd quotes that you get is, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to convince the world that he didn't really exist. He's nobody to worry about. Sadly, you know what he's done? He's convinced Christians that he doesn't matter. Well, he's he's nobody to really worry about. And the truth is, he's the one who's ultimately pulling all the strings way way back in the background and you may think well it's nothing it's no big deal he doesn't have to mess with me yeah because he's already gone ahead and set up everything he needs to to go ahead and make it so you are already taken captive at his will but we'll get there in a minute and so tonight i want to preach on the great deception because too many people are stuck in this deception and they think of all these other things and they're distracted from the one common peace and how to have victory through deception and over-deception. And so we're going to have a word of prayer and I'm going to pray the Lord give me a whole lot of wisdom. I'm about to, you realize I'm about to preach a whole lot about a man who was deemed wiser than Daniel. That's the devil. The devil's wiser than, that's pretty high praise. And so you think messing with him is a great idea. (laughs) He's wiser than you and I. He's more tricky than you and I. He's more of a deceiver than you and I could ever figure out. And so he's a real adversary. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll get in. I'm going to get ahead of myself here. But Father, I do. I pray for your wisdom. Lord, I pray for your understanding and and your help and your guidance tonight. I pray that this would be something, Lord, that helps us recognizing the things that are going on around us, but also recognizing, Father, not just in a worldwide scale, but not even just a national scale, but, Lord, in our own hearts and in our own lives and the things that we deal with. Lord, I pray this would have great practical application for each individual here tonight. Lord, that this would be something, Father, I want to praise you, even though I'm going to talk about our adversary, I want to praise you, and Lord, I want to hold you up, you are greater than he is, you are more magnificent and more powerful, Father, you have more wisdom and understanding than he ever could, Lord, you are the almighty God of the universe, and beside you there is not any, and so, Father, I do pray you would help me to convey all of these thoughts, Lord, and help me, Father, to do so, so that it's, organized Lord that there would be no distractions that there wouldn't be anything that holds it up and Lord that we would be able to see clearly what we need to see tonight Lord I do pray you would bless in Jesus name amen amen Genesis chapter 3 if you would Genesis chapter 3 let's get back all the way to the beginning of humanity and our first personal dealings with the devil now Ultimately, it doesn't matter to me what you believe about where he fell, but we know by Genesis chapter 3, the devil, he's fallen. Uh, he, he is removed from the glories of heaven. He is no longer Lucifer, the anointed cherub that covereth. He's been deposed from his position. He's the adversary and the enemy of God. We know that by the time we get to Genesis chapter 3, that's, that this is right here, this is where he is. And so Genesis chapter 3, we know who we're dealing with. Uh, In Revelation chapter 12, I think it's interesting, by the way. uh, In Genesis chapter 3, you have now the serpent. And by the way, when you're confused as to who that is, you go to Revelation chapter 12 and you find out who that is. The two farthest books apart in the Bible. (laughs) Revelation 12, 9, that old serpent, the devil. Mm, That's who he is. And the servant said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat, and the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And you know how it goes, the Lord shows up, and Adam, where art thou, and so on. But the transgression's already there. The person of deception ultimately is Satan. He's the deceiver. The person is the deceiver. Uh, he's Satan. Satan is very methodical. Satan is not this haphazard, bumbling, you know, fool. Wandering around like, oh, well, let, you know, I guess maybe I'll stumble into something here. I mentioned it earlier, thou art wiser than Daniel. That's the Lord's description of the devil. Wisdom. He's subtle. He's got a plan. You realize the plan that he executes right here is the same plan he executes in the lives of everybody ever. He does it over and over and over again. He is methodical to get you to be deceived and to believe what he wants you to believe. He looks for the weakness and he gladly finds it and he gladly takes it. He is as a roaring lion that walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You know what what lions devour? They devour the weak. They find a weakness, exploit the weakness, and take down their prey. That's a constant. The devil is the same way. He looks for an opening. He takes his opening. And he gains what he wants to gain. He is very good at it. He's had 6,000 years to practice now for you and I. He's very proficient. You talk about practice makes perfect. 6,000 years and I don't know how many billions of people he's gotten to deal with. But he hasn't missed any time that he has tried save Jesus Christ himself. How's that for a track record? The only person you didn't get to was the Son of God. That's that's impressive. But notice his mode here. He does certain things. He does three things in particular. The first thing he does is he challenges the Word of God. Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? You know what he could have said? He could have walked in and said, hey, I hear you can't eat of everything. Hey, is there anything you can't have? He says, hey, didn't God tell you? Just a, just a little, just a challenge. Is that what God said or no? You mean to tell me that you can't do this and you can't do that? And You mean to tell me, where does it really say that in the Bible? You know, it's fun. We'll get to this by the end. Like I said, it's the Word of God and uh, gives you the answers. But, you know, what's amazing is we really encourage it and we try to encourage it. But you ought to know why you believe what you believe. You ought to have chapter and verse for yourself. You say, oh, I'm just a church person. I just come to church. Okay. You're a Christian. (laughs) Didn't he save you? Then you ought to know why you believe what you believe. That way you have an answer for when somebody asks. If you don't have an answer, find an answer. If you can't find an answer, ask somebody. Maybe they got one. And maybe they can help you out finding them. But he he asked the question. I guarantee you, you will you know what it'll be. If you go ahead and lean on, Pastor Pastor Legault has always taught, and Pastor Kenny has always taught, and Pastor Christian taught me, and I heard Brother James one time, and I heard... Brother Kevin, one time, and I heard, "Then you don't have anything." That's the statement Jesus Christ makes when he looks over at the Pharisees, or, or when he looks back at the disciples and he says, "Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me." You say, why do I got to search them? Because you only think you have it. <laughs> you don't know you have it because you have never, you've never searched." You've never searched out the truth to figure out what he said. You know what Eve's problem's about to be? She doesn't get his quote right. The words aren't right. And she now will get herself into a whole lot of trouble because God's word was challenged by the devil and she didn't have the right answer. That will get you in a world of trouble if you don't have the right answer. Because the Bible says, by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. It's all about what the words have to say. And she says in verse number 2, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now we all know all the mistakes right here. You go back to chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 you see the command of God given to Adam that you can freely eat there's number one, she missed one she missed a word they can, they can eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil if they'd like but there's a cost that goes with that tree everything else is free isn't that amazing? salvation is free in jesus christ everything else will cost you how about that i mean that's probably just a coincidence we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden no no you may freely eat then she says but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden wrong tree go back and read the last chapter It's earlier in the chapter. I think it's around verse 13, 14. I didn't write it down. Uh, Earlier in the chapter, you know what the tree in the midst of the garden is? The tree of life. That's the one in the middle of the garden. Now the tree of the knowledge of good and evil may be right next to it. It may be close by. It may be that, but it's not the middle of the garden. She got it wrong. Wrong tree. Then she says, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall. Shall ye touch it? Problem. God didn't say that. God did not say that. Now you're in trouble. The devil challenges, gets you to respond to that challenge, but you don't know what you're talking about. You ever been there? And all of a sudden, the words are going to start getting twisted around now because you got them wrong. And here he is, and he says, okay, I can take this. We can run with this. She says, oh, we can't touch it. Mm -hmm. By the way, that wasn't the command. Could you imagine if you think that's the command? If I touch it, I die, and you touch it, and nothing happens? So what's the danger? The danger in that is, if I touched it and I didn't die, well, then I can eat it and I won't die. Then she tags it with lest you die. And I don't know about I don't know about you. That's pretty big difference between lest and thou shalt surely die. That is a big contradiction right there. Lest means it could happen and it might not happen. There's a chance might be eh, maybe 60/40 will die. <sighs> but thou shalt surely die. There is no question about what's about to happen to you. We've now soft padded what God said. I don't want to offend anybody, so we're going we're gonna to pull back on the lingo here. I would, hate, I would hate for people to feel, you know, awkward and unhappy about the pronouns that we've used in the Bible. I mean, we've got to get God to be gender neutral and all these... I mean, if we just soften it, I mean, we don't really want people to think that hell is real. We'll change that over to Sheol. We don't want that. I mean, you know, we got got to soften these things up. I mean, why do we got to talk about the blood all the time? Let's cut that out of about three or four verses easy. Say, what's the problem? The problem is it's not what he said. The devil is great at trying to make sure you don't get what God said. To bring it into question and go ahead and lay it out and go ahead and move things around and go ahead and get it so that he can do one thing and one thing only. Verse number 4, And the servant said to the woman, Ye shall not surely die. He quotes God better than she does, but he slides a knot in there. You know what he's going to do? He's going to go in direct contrast to the Word of God he will go ahead and put himself at exact opposition to what God said and make you choose. And sadly, you know what happens over and over again? Men choose to go against God and what he said because they think they know better. She looks at it. She says, you know what? It does look pretty good does look pretty good and you know what I'll take it I'll take it it looks good I touched it I didn't die I mean what's the big deal evidently I I mean he says I'm not gonna die and it does look good for food it's pleasant to the eyes It's a tree to be desired to make one wise. I could be wise if I eat this. I can know all the things that I need to know. Do you think there was anything that God needed them to know that he hadn't already told them? Adam is smart enough that he named all of the animals on the planet. Do you think he really needs to know anything more? He doesn't. But the devil sure made him think he did. He got Eve thinking, boy, you could do better. I mean, I could be like God. It's not enough to walk with him in the cool of the day? Evidently not. Instead, the devil uses the same thing. He challenges the Word of God. He contradicts the Word of God. And then he convinces you to disobey the word of God. He just slides it in. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof then your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. Hey, you know, uh, God just really doesn't want you to be as good as He is. God's withholding from you. Strange. Isn't that what Balak says to Balaam? I would have promoted thee to great honor but the Lord hath kept thee back. That's the devil's move right there. What's the devil's move? God just doesn't want you to have all that greatness. He just entices. He goes, don't worry about that. You know that's not really going to happen. Come this way. But that's so obvious. No, it's so subtle. And the move is so subtle... And he gets you thinking, and he contradicts, and he changes and manipulates and goes ahead and deceives you into thinking that you're doing exactly what you ought to do. You're doing the right thing. Eve, Eve doesn't think she's making a mistake here. Eve thinks this is a great plan. The devil has her convinced that going against everything she knows to be true she's still making the right choice. I don't know about you, but that's, that's good. That is a good bit of deceit right there. That seems pretty expert to me. And you and I both know, we've all done it. We've all listened to him. We've all been deceived. We've all turned. We've all failed. boy, this seems pretty rough. (laughs) Well, that's the one who's deceiving you. Satan wants to be the deceiver and he wants to deceive everybody on the planet. He is the person of deceit, but you have the potential of deceit and that is that it's real. There is a real potential to be actually deceived into doing all the wrong things. That potential is so real that five times, five times we are warned to be not deceived. That exact quote, be not deceived. Why? Because you'll get deceived into thinking that these things are true or these things are not true. Be not deceived over and over and over. The warnings about deceitful workers and deceitful men and deceitful hearts and deceitful everything. And God's going, don't get deceived, don't get deceived, don't get deceived. And day in and day out, you know what we have to remember? There's someone trying to deceive. And it's real for him. Recognize this, the devil is not in it just to have some fun. This isn't a game to him. This isn't our walk in our lives and what he is trying to do. He is looking literally to destroy the lives of men. To put them in a lake of fire for all of eternity if he can. And if he cannot, destroy them so badly they would never speak the name of Jesus Christ again. That is his goal. He is not playing games. He is not looking around going, oh, well, what fun can I have today? I mean, let's just. No, he is methodical and he is is absolutely structuring his pattern to walk to and fro through all the earth. (laughs) He is looking around to find somebody he can destroy so that he can go ahead and ruin as many as he can. We already read it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. He is going ahead and trying to blind as many people from the light of the gospel as he possibly can. He's trying to darken their eyes and keep them in the dark and make it so that they can't see that Jesus Christ is the Savior and by Him alone, salvation has come into the world. And they can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and they can be saved and they can have salvation. They can have forgiveness. They don't need religion and they don't need a church and they don't need a baptism and they don't need to take the sacraments and they don't need to confess to a priest in a box and they don't need to do all these Hail Marys and they don't have to go down and do all the praying five times a day like a Muslim and they don't have to to do any of that. But he blinds them in whatever means necessary. By the way, you say, well, that doesn't seem fair. The devil doesn't play fair. He's not in it to be fair. He's in it to win. You say, well, he's not going to win. I know the end. Yeah, you keep looking at the end, but you lose the fight today. Because he's in to win today. Oh, a trumpet's going to sound and we're going to get out of here. Yeah, you'll be saved, but all those people you left absolutely blinded because your life was a train wreck because you let the devil take over all the time was the times when you lost so badly that God should have been able to take you home early probably. Look over at 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Hey, man, you're pretty serious on this message. I, this is no joking matter. I know we talk about, you know, our flesh is our biggest problem. It is, right? The world is our next biggest problem and all the glitz and the glamour and all the things. But the devil is no joke and he's no slouch. He may not have to directly mess with you too much. But he is absolutely the great deceiver going ahead and working behind the scenes to get everything rolling wanted to. I want to sidestep. Just pause just for a moment right there. Say, yeah, but it doesn't matter. We're going to leave, right? Trumpet's going to sound. We're going to be gone. You realize he is setting the stage to rule the world. That's his goal. And then as soon as he gets control, he wants to eliminate the nation of Israel and every Israelite on the planet so that he can go ahead and prove that God is wrong. Because as soon as he does that, he wins. But he has yet to be able to prove God wrong, so he struggles. But you know what he wants? He wants worship. You know what he's going to get? He's going to get worship. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he's going to get worship. His goal is to do as much damage as possible if he's not going to win. The crazy thing for us is we think that, well, you know, as long as we're okay, it'll be okay. You don't get it. He's wrecking as many as he possibly can. And if he goes down, he's taking as many with him as he possibly can. The sad reality is you and I are it. We're God's plan. Against the greatest adversary the world will ever know. Verse number twenty-four, here in second Second Timothy chapter two And the servant of the Lord must not strive but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if peradventure God will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they might recover them they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. The lost, he's trying to blind and keep them from getting the truth so he can condemn them for all of eternity to a lake of fire with him. But the saved, you know what he's trying to do? He's just trying to keep you snared as long as he can. If he keeps you snared, that means you are unuseful to the cause of God and Jesus Christ. If you stay snared and you're holding in those sins and you're caught and you're captive, you will not be fruitful in the work of the Lord. So his goal is keep you snared as best he can and tangle you with the affairs of this life as much as he can. Go ahead and pile it on as best he can to make sure that you are deceived into thinking, well, I, I go to church and I do all these good things and I'm okay and everything's fine, but you had not led anybody to the Lord in about 10 years barely even witnessed anybody in the last 10 years. You go humdrum about your day, you haven't really read, you haven't really prayed, you haven't really paid any attention, but you're still doing all that you do. That's the affairs of this life are just piled on. We're deceived into going ahead and thinking that because we pay attention to Fox News or whatever podcast you listen to or whatever else you grab onto, that all those things are going to be great. And that I need to know all these things. But you haven't picked up your Bible in a week. We sacrifice our time with God to find out what's happening in the world. I'm sorry, aren't you not supposed to be rooted and grounded in the world, but rooted and grounded in Him? And the devil gets you thinking, you know what he is? Uh, He's got certain titles. I I won't list all of them because they'd take forever, right? Uh, He's the tempter in Matthew chapter 4. That's what he's called. Tempting. He's not just the deceiver, he's the tempter. He also is a liar and he was a murderer from the beginning. John chapter 8. John chapter 10, the thief, that's what he is. say, what's he coming to do? To steal and kill and destroy. That sounds serious. He wants to steal everything you've got. He wants to destroy you and your family. And he wants to kill everybody he possibly can. He wants to eliminate. And you and I go through and go, well, this is a fun little game. He's not in a game. He's in it for keeps. And those keeps are eternal. You realize... You realize the destiny of a soul could be conditional on if you lost to the devil that day or not. If he snared you and you got distracted and you were deceived, you missed your opening, that could cost somebody for all of eternity. If that's not sobering to you, I the devil's in it to win. He's in it to keep you as distracted and deceived and looking around at everything you possibly can so you miss the truth of what God wants. He gets you focused on sin. He gets you focused on the world. He gets you focused on your problems. He gets you focused on your family. He gets you focused on your life. He gets you focused on all those things. And you know what you do? You set aside. You just start setting aside. Well, I just don't have time for And I just don't have time for. And I just don't. But, you know, I'll catch up on that next week. And next week never gets there. You ever notice the times you go, well, I'll catch up on that in your Bible reading. Or the times you go, well, I'll pray about that later. You seem to forget about that portion. And it's not caught up. It's just laid aside and lost. Imagine saying, well, I'll witness to that person tomorrow, but tomorrow never comes. The opening you had doesn't stay. The problem is that we are deceived. We are deceived into thinking this is just all about us. It's my goals. It's my life. It's what I want. It's what's best for me. And the devil has us convinced. What difference does it make? Look back at Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Some of it is just straight deceitfulness to keep us from witnessing. Some of it's deceitfulness to ruin our testimony so that we can't do what we ought to do because nobody will believe us anyways, right? Wait, what, you're a Christian? Um, you know, It's there to destroy what people think of us, what they think of Jesus Christ, what they think of the church, what they think of how we live, all those things. And the Lord is, is going, hey, you know what? I need you to wake up. I need you to wake up. Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. He's looking around going, guys, we need to walk circumspectly as wise and not as fools, redeeming the time for the days are evil. We're looking around, and, the, and yeah, the world looks like craziness. We could spend all day talking about the things that are messed up in our nation and in the world. But the sad truth is, too many people know more about what's happening out there than they do what's happening in the pages of a Bible and what God's trying to do today. He's not done. Because he's not done, you're still here. That means he's not done with you. Which means we got to shake our heads and go, "All right, I got to start seeing clear. I got to start seeing clearly because I'm not seeing clearly." You better admit, "Hey, I got deceived over here, or over here, over here." Figure out where you're getting deceived and go, "Okay, Lord." I need to focus. I, uh, I got sick uh, a little over a week ago. I got that weird stomach bug thing. And uh, whew, that was rough. That was, that was serious right there. That's, that's why Melanie wasn't, wasn't at church on Wednesday. She got sick. I got sick on Friday. And like the entire day, I couldn't tell you what happened. I couldn't tell you anything. All I know is I was, I was dying. That's what I knew. I mean, it was death. And you know when you're dehydrating, right? And you start getting the blurry vision a little bit, and you're lightheaded. And you're kind of like, whoa. Everything kind of feels like it's spinning just a little bit. That's how you are as deceived. You can't quite see... And you're focusing on all the wrong things. So then the question is, well, how do I prevent that? How do I keep from getting sucked into the devil's idea of what I'm supposed to have and all the, what I'm supposed to be thinking about and what I'm supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to do with that? And the answer, the prevention for that deception is Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Question. If Eve remembered that, And the devil said, yea, hath God said. And she said, well, God said, God said, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Where's the devil going with that? Well, he can still say, uh, thou shalt not surely die. Except she goes, yeah, but God said I would. See the problem? The problem isn't the word of God. The problem is the person who didn't know what it said. Then she stands there and she says, well, no, God said thou shalt surely die. Uh, Yeah, but, uh, I mean, what if you touch it? Doesn't matter if I touch it. He didn't say anything about that. Well, yeah, but uh, uh, I guess I'll talk to you later. You say, where do you get that? I, I get that from Matthew, you know, chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4. We'll get there in a minute. Turn over to Matthew chapter 4. We'll get there. You know, it's a interesting thing to check out one time if you feel like it. There's a phrase that Jesus says and uses most of the time. He uses it with the Pharisees because it's fun, because he knows they've read, and he asks that question: "Have you not read, or have you never read, or something to that effect?" Where he starts sliding in those phrases of, "Have don't you don't you read the Bible? Don't you know what that said?" And he calls something out to their remembrance to try and get them to see. You know, he's looking around, and you know what it does? It clears up their stupidity. Right? The Pharisees are always trying to nitpick something. They're looking at Jesus. They're trying to find the fault. They're trying to find the problem. You know, his disciples are walking through the field, and it's a Sabbath day, and they're hungry, so they just grab some stuff as they're walking by, you know, pop it in their mouth. They're still walking. And they're like, man, aren't they not supposed to work on the Sabbath day? And they ate with unwashing hands. These people are wicked. Aren't these people wicked? And the Lord's reply is, have you not read? He just goes, you ever look at the pages of a Bible? (laughs) You ever see what that said? The marriage and divorce and all the things, Matthew chapter 19. He looks at them and he just says, that's a dumb question. Haven't you read... (laughs) By the way, a Bible will fix any education. You get to Matthew chapter 22. You want to want, want to know about the resurrection? Have you not read? There it is. Have you not read? He does it again. Well, the resurrection, what is going to happen? Haven't you read? Don't you know the answers in that book? Well, Wait a minute, by what authority do you do these things? That's the end of Mark chapter 11. What authority, what authority. You know what he does? He turns around and gives a parable. He turns around and gives the parable and he says, uh, yeah, you know, the, uh, the king had, had a son, and he sent all, but he had all these servants. He sends all these servants, right, and they kill the servants, and then he sends the son and they kill him. And have you not read that the stone which the builders become the same as the head of the corner haven't you read about that and they get mad enough to stone him because they knew what he was saying they had read they don't like to apply (laughs) now here's Jesus you know the spot verse number 1 Matthew chapter 4 then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Hey, look at that. Every word. No additions, no subtractions, no changes. There it is. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him upon, on a pinnacle of the temple. And he saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, or, uh, cast thyself down. For it is written, his, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee in Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. The pattern, right? We, I mentioned this earlier. Who's the only one the devil never won? Well, oh, Jesus Christ. Well, you see, the, the methods of the devil... Back there in Genesis chapter 3, you see how methodical he is. And he chooses his battles the way he needs to. And he sees Jesus Christ weakened in the flesh. Forty days and forty nights he's fasted. By the way, Moses does that. He doesn't ask for any food either. God's way better than that. But he figures Jesus is weak, so he shows up. He's going to go ahead and take him on. And the only person to ever beat Him goes ahead and beats Him and every time is Scripture. Now, what is amazing is if Jesus did all these things that He was asked to do or get the results that He was asked to get, they would be things that will happen. You get the first one, He's going to make stones into bread. Well, that's a supernatural feed. In the future, the children of Israel are going to go into a wilderness. Revelation chapter 12, right? Verse number 6, he has to feed them in the wilderness. Just like he used to feed them. You say, well, that's not stones to bread. He's making things just miraculously appear. Just for them. In the middle of a wilderness with nothing for them to eat. You get that over in Micah chapter 7 verses 14 and 15 if you'd like to look it up later. That's the Old Testament reference for it. You have Jesus up on top of the town. Now he takes him up to the pinnacle of the temple. You know what he says? He says, hey, cast thyself down. Then he quotes him some scripture, right? Isn't that the way it always works? If if I want to deceive him, go ahead and get a verse. You know, if you want to be deceived, God will give you a verse. He'll let you have it. How do you know that? That's how you get that many cults in the world. Weird, false, religions. How do you get all those? Don't they all have a scripture verse? Yeah, they just don't know where it applies. Say, where'd they learn that from? The deceiver. He goes ahead and takes a verse. It doesn't apply here. Jump off the pinnacle of the temple and they'll go ahead and he quotes it right. He just write right words, wrong time. Wrong time. You say, where is he referencing? If you want to, you can go back to Psalm 91, verse 11, 12, 13. You know what you find? It's Second Advent. It's like Acts chapter 1. This same Jesus will return in like manner. And he's not going to stub his toe when he lands. Because he's going to go ahead and come down with clouds. Behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see in Matthew 24. He's going to step down out of the glories of heaven. He's going to land. By the way, Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 1, he's coming to the temple. Isn't that where he took him to? He brings him to the pinnacle of the temple and he says, Hey, go ahead. The devil knows more about the scriptures than you do. And he rests them as much as he can to go ahead and get you to see what he wants you to see. Does the same thing to Eve. Does the same thing to you and I. If, we don't, if we're not careful, he'll go ahead and twist them up. And you know what you'll be? You'll be jumping off a pinnacle of a temple when you're not supposed to be. Jesus answers again, Scripture, Scripture, Scripture. That third one shows up and uh, he says, Hey, I could give you all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Isn't he going to get all of them anyways? Well, yeah, but you could have them today without all that trouble. You just got to bow down and worship me. The Lord says, I can't do that. So why? Because that go against Scripture. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and Him only. Say, so, is he going to get them? Revelation chapter 11. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. He's going to get every one of them. And the devil's not going to stop him then. And nobody else is either. He can gather all the armies of the world that he wants to. And the king of kings and lord of lords will brandish his sword. And it will all be over with. In but a moment. And he'll come in and he'll crash through that eastern gate. And he'll go ahead and set up his kingdom. And he will land right in front of the temple. Right where he belongs. And he'll show that he is the God of the universe to rule and reign. You say, what, what clears up the problems of deception? The truth of a Bible. You and I look around at a world that is going insane. We get distracted by it. We get deceived into thinking that's our fight and our fight is going to be amongst this and with that and all these other things. And the truth is, the fight is for the souls of men. The fight is not about whether or not America is in the prophecies and the scriptures. Sad reality is, I don't really see them. You say, well, the eagle's wings and the... Sure. That's, you have zero reference for that. You say, could America stand? Of course it can. I'm not saying it's not. But I also know a trumpet's going to sound before any of that stuff starts stepping in. So you know what I also know? That if a trumpet sounds, the church that, maybe not anymore, but the nation that sent out more missionaries into the world than any other nation is ours. We may not be sending them out at the rate we ought to anymore, but we are the beacon and the reason you and I are still breathing is because of the nation of Israel and Christians that are still standing. What happens to a nation when a vacuum happens because all the Christians are pulled up off the planet? You say, well, you know, I mean America could stand still. They could. I'm not saying that. But your hope isn't going to be in America. Whether we can secure the borders, and whether we can do this, and whether we can do that, and we can keep those lousy Canadians. No, um, invading. Whether we can keep the borders secure, whether we can do this, whether we can beat drugs, whether we can change what they're teaching in our schools, whether we can. You say you sound like that's a hopeless cause. Do what you can. But don't get distracted. Don't get so wrapped up in those things that you're getting entangled with the affairs of this life. The devil is glad to let you go ahead and run all of those runs. And go all over the place to go ahead and get distracted and get get so overly involved and so pulled into all these things that you are useless to the cause of Christ because you're not paying any attention. I'm not saying don't be a good citizen. I'm not saying don't get out there and vote. I'm not saying don't even go out there and hand out some things for some people. If you think they're the greatest person in the world and they're going to be the best for the office and you want to go ahead and promote somebody, feel free. I'm not telling you not to do any of that. But don't let that distract you from Jesus Christ and what He asked you to do. Because the devil would want nothing more than you to go i'm gonna save america and jesus is looking at you going i want you to save that soul right there witness to them man i want to save them but you are too busy yelling about how america has fallen we're getting deceived into thinking our fight is a fleshly fight in this life it is not The truth is that Jesus Christ must be preeminent and the scriptures are still the truth and the only way you can get around is to go ahead and understand that the truth of the word of God is the only thing that's going to get you through this life. We read it, we study it, We look at it, we try to figure more on it, we try to go ahead and get what we can out of it so we can understand the God of the universe, so we can know what he wants us to do day in and day out. But the truth is, we get so distracted because we put too much other stuff. And we lose sight of the goal. I'm not too much of a we preacher all the time, but I'm we preaching it tonight. The distractions are real. The deceit is real. He is extremely good at what he does and he is extremely subtle when he does it. You look around and you go, well, I'm not really, and then all of a sudden you're wasting so much more time. All of a sudden you're like, how did I just waste an hour doing that? What's, what happened? <laughs> I wasn't going to do that. I was going to take five minutes. And the devil goes, I'll take your five minutes and I'll make it an hour. And we go, what just happened to me? How do you know? Because I don't know who doesn't do it. <sighs> you get into something and all of a sudden it's taking longer and you're staying and you're thinking about all that. And you got distracted. And you go, man, I was going to, and it might have been something spiritual you were going to do. Maybe not. A lot of times it is. And you go, oh man, now I gotta crunch in my Bible. Now I gotta crunch. Now I gotta I gotta hurry up, I gotta get. And I was gonna get that done. And we've been so deceived into thinking we need all these other things. When the truth is the only one we need is Him and His Word, and to go forward for what He asks us to do. You say, Why has this message been so heavy? This is why it's been so heavy. We have a great responsibility. We have a great responsibility and there is somebody who really does not want us to succeed. And his goal is to deceive all of us. If you're lost in here, his goal is to deceive you from knowing that Jesus Christ can save you forever and put you in heaven and go ahead and forgive you of everything you've ever done. And he is the only means of salvation. And if you're saved in here, his goal is to derail you as much as possible and snare you as much as possible and get you to fall down as much as possible so that he goes ahead and keeps you from saying what you should say to a lost world. That's his goal. Be not deceived. Be not deceived. There is a great deceiver. And I hope tonight your eyes are getting a little bit opened. Maybe you're thinking about some things I didn't even meant, but some things that you go, boy, I've been I've been getting pulled off over there, or pulled off over here, or I've been blinded over there, and I haven't been doing these things. You don't have to stay that way. The truth of the word of God will get you out of those places. You dispel lies with the truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you. Free. And ye shall be free indeed. You don't have to be bound up in all the things he wants you bound up in. You choose the way God wants you to go and you stay on that. And when you notice you're veering, you fix it. Get back on. And God can get all that glory. The devil wants glory. He wants to steal it all from God. And us being deceived, steals it. Puts it in the wrong spot. And I'd hate to do that to my Savior. Let's go ahead and stand tonight. I don't even know how to close this up. I really don't. For all the preachers out there, I don't know how to close this. So if the Lord's dealing with you, you just go ahead and come. We're going to have an invitation. I'm going to pray. devil would want nothing more than to ruin you and to ruin your family and to ruin your life and to ruin your testimony and to destroy everything you possibly can. And he is playing for keeps. I hope you recognize it. I hope you're playing for keeps. I hope it's a real fight for you. I hope you'll be a good soldier of Jesus Christ just like I hope I will be. Say, oh, you know you're going to be great. I don't know that I'm going to be great. I hope I am. Lord, I pray you would bless. Bless the invitation now. Protect this church. Protect the families here. Protect the ministries that we do. The devil would want nothing more than to destroy this place and pull it down. Father, you can protect us and you can help us and you can strengthen us. And I pray you would. Help us to abide in the word. Live it. Walk in it. Know it. So that we can have the victories you need us to have for a lost and dying world to see and get the blinders removed so that they can call upon you. Father, I pray you bless the night in Jesus' name. Amen.